Good morning. We'd like to welcome you here. Please stand and join us as we worship our God together.
God, we give you thanks and praise because you have overcome through Christ. And that's why we've come to worship today. And we ask you to bless our worship that we might honor you and bring glory to you and draw closer to you. And we ask this through Christ. Amen. Share what a greeting with others who are here in worship today. couple things I want to uh, bring to your attention. We are finishing gathering recipes for the, the uh, fruit cookbook that we're doing, a uh, recipe book at, that by noon tomorrow. They need to be submitted, and then we will get those uh, out in the next few weeks. Um, also, there are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin, as always. And uh, we want, I want to add to this list Pastor Kevin, who is dealing with some complications from kidney stones, and he's... Uh, you know, he's just had a, a really difficult week, and we want to pray for healing in his, in his body, as um, even this morning he's really struggling with uh, the difficulties of that. There are um, a couple of inserts in your bulletin. One of them is about uh, care packages that we're putting together for uh, students who are uh, not here or other places in the military, and so please take note of that. And also, uh, you see in your bulletin about the prayer walk, and today is the beginning of our prayer vigil. Uh, we begin at 5 o'clock tonight with the first person coming to pray, and this will go for the next three weeks, 24 hours a day. Uh, you can sign up anytime, because I'm this morning following service in the upper or lower foyer here of the church. We've had a few questions about exactly how to sign up, and so the calendar is a little bit different. It's simple, but it's a little bit different, looks different, so we'll just show you. You come to the page there, then you click on the day, and at the bottom there is a drop-down menu, and the ones that are highlighted are the days, times that are still available. 
As you keep going down that list, you see that some are not highlighted, and that means those times are already taken. So that's the difference. It's a little hard to see if you look at it at first. They're just a tad darker if they are still available, but if you don't have really good eyes, it's a little hard to see. So, um, and then you just, there's just a couple of things of information about that. So uh, we want to really encourage you to be involved. If you participate in the past, I hope it's been a good experience for you and uh, you'll participate again. If you haven't yet, let me encourage you to get involved. You may be wondering, what in the world do I do for an hour in the prayer room? We have all kinds of materials down there. And in fact, after the service today, the room is ready to go. We've done some unique things for this particular prayer vigil, as well as some things that we've seen in the past. If you want, please just go right downstairs, uh, right below us here. The prayer room's in the corner. Feel free to walk through that and look at what's there. And uh, you get a sense of all the different ways in which you can engage in prayer as a part of this vigil. And we hope you'll sign up, including prayer guys that will just take you through 60 minutes of praying for a variety of things. So you can sign up this morning or any time you can sign up online or you can call the church office if you need some help and uh, we'll get you signed up. We will open up next week, beginning uh, next Monday, in the middle of this week. We'd love to fill up this week first and then move to the next week, but in the middle of the week we will extend those times. Uh, the, so today we're having a kickoff for this, as we've done each year. We're going to be meeting here at the church at 4.30 for about uh, 40, 45 minutes of singing scripture, candle lighting, sharing, and we'd love to have you be a part of this gathering. It's, it's exciting to come together and to just uh, pray together and, and connect together as we move off, as we send out the first person to the prayer room to pray. So we hope you'll join us here at 4.30 this afternoon. Before the gathering here, we're going to have a prayer walk, and this is a new thing. We've been talking about this the last few weeks. And really, a prayer walk is simply people walking around neighborhoods, communities, just praying for the people there. We're trying to do that very inauspiciously, but just to pray for places where we work, where we live, people we know. And so there are a number of prayer groups here in town that are divided up by sections. There's prayer groups in the, some surrounding communities as well. And we would love to have you be a part of that. On the back of this sheet are a list of all the places where people are praying. And you meet at those places at 4 o'clock today. Pray for about 20, 30 minutes. And then we'll head down here to the church and uh, be a part of this gathering. If you don't go to the prayer walk, come to the kickoff service anyway. It's not a prerequisite. Uh, it's, just, it's just another additional thing that we can do together. So we hope to see you uh, this afternoon. And we hope that you will... Take an hour to come to the prayer room, or more if you want. You can sign up for more than one hour and uh, involve yourself in this and see what God does in your life and in us corporately as we pray together. Uh, I've I've asked the the Snellgroves to share this morning about some of their experiences in past years in the prayer vigil. Sometimes hearing what other people have experienced can be an encouragement to us, and so they're going to share. Yeah. My name is Rachel Snellgrove. I'm the head field hockey and women's lacrosse coach at the college. And Josiah and I are going to share just a couple of things with you. Um, I know for me, and I'm sure for many of you involved with the college, the fall is a very busy time of year. I love the timing of the prayer vigil because November is a month when the busyness starts to slow down. For me, getting in the prayer room has been such a time of refreshing, reflection on the fall and the year, as well as a refocusing on my priorities and what is in store in the future months. Last year, I asked my team, the field hockey team, to come together for an hour in the prayer room to do the same thing. 
We spent time reflecting on our fall season, prayed for and with one another about whatever was on our hearts. We prayed for the spring and the future of our team, including the recruits, some of whom are here now at Houghton and part of our team. We also spent a lot of time praying for our missions trip to Trinidad, which happened this past June. We prayed specifically for our travels, the ministry opportunities, the hockey side of things, but mostly for the hearts of the people we would be ministering to. We definitely saw the effects of those prayers we prayed in the prayer room, as well as the many other times our team prayed together. Prayers are powerful and effective in any setting. However, I will say there's something so special about having my team in that prayer room together, praying for a specific purpose and off campus without distractions. This year, we will be in the prayer room again, praying for our world, the the Houghton community, the college, and each other. I hate to fall into the typical husband stereotype, but I have not prepared as much as Rachel has with the piece of paper and everything. Um, But I did want to highlight a few experiences that we've had um, together as a family. Um, Three years ago, was probably the first time that we went in, and it was a great time of praying for each other, uh, praying with each other, being able to see the the requests of the rest of the community and pray specifically for them. Um, And then last year was was awesome as well in that we had the addition of our daughter uh, in there. And if we're actually really quiet, we might be able to hear her in nursery right now. (laughs) Maybe not. But... That added a whole new dimension in that all of a sudden the quiet, the you know, time together completely changed. And uh, the, the prayer room, what that's done for us is been able to focus. For me, it's been a time of focus as a family on not necessarily that, oh, well, that's our hour of prayer. But let's refocus our lives. Let's refocus our family and you know, for the future, for the months to come, uh, you know, what are the things that we are specifically specifically going to be praying about as a family? And that's been a time uh, that we've really enjoyed. It was really fun last year. It was, you know, one of us had to be playing with Isabel while the other one was praying. And um, But we got to pray over Isabel and, you know, see her learn to fold her little hands. And um, th- that's just such an awesome uh time of growth for for us as a family and for me in my life and uh you know this year i'm really looking forward to uh seeing what the lord has in store for us uh i've been able to watch a lot of uh kids shows more than i typically would in the past few months and we isabel likes this uh i'm sure you've all seen veggie tales and there's this story of uh josh and uh the wall and um in, in that, it says, uh, you know, what, how, how does Moses hear God? And Junior Asparagus says, well, you know, Bob is explaining to Junior Asparagus, and he says, well, he, he would go out into the wilderness and just listen. And, you know, that's kind of what I'm hoping for uh, this year, is we're coming off the busiest time of year for us, as most of you are, uh, coming into the season of Thanksgiving, into the season of Christmas, and just being able to to sit and listen over top of the the you know joyful noise and playing of Isabel uh, and see what the Lord has in store for us this year. So we're happy about that.
we'd like to invite our ushers forward now to assist us as we give back to God of all that he has given to us. If my heart is overwhelmed and I cannot hear your voice, I'll hold on to what is true, though I cannot see. If the storms of life, they come and the road ahead gets steep, I will lift these hands in faith, I will believe. I'll remind myself of all that you've done And the life I have because of your son Love came down and rescued me Love came down and set me free And I am yours, I am forever God, he calls us to come to him in prayer.
And as we pray together, if you would like to come and use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, where you listen to God speaking into your life, please come and join me. Father, thank you for your grace that embraces us as your children and tells us that we are forever yours. We're here today only because of what you have done for us. We thank you for the opportunity today to reflect upon the focus of our lives to hear your word of truth, to read your word, to sing of your greatness, and to offer ourselves to you once again. And we come today knowing that there are burdens on all of our hearts, for ourselves, for others, about something. So hear our prayers. Hear our prayers for those who are wrestling with illness, disease, pain. Heal each one. Here are prayers for those who are grieving, whatever form it may take. Comfort them. Father, hear our prayers about the uncertainty of life. And we ask that you will give us and others courage to keep looking to you, to walk forward with you into what seems like darkness. Hear our prayers about the disappointments of life. And help us to continue to trust you in spite of those disappointments. Hear our prayers for the hurt the pain that we far too often inflict upon one another. And fill us with a spirit of forgiveness and reconciliation. Father, help us to see one another as people to be loved and people to be affirmed rather than people with whom we are in competition or over whom we want to win. Teach us the ways of humility and the way of grace that is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray for these days of the prayer vigil. We may be debating whether we're going to be a part of it or not. Help us to know and to experience this opportunity to 
be in a quiet place with you or in a loud place with you, to interact with you in silence or in the various ways in which the prayer room affords us. Help us, Father, to be willing to let you speak into our lives through every event and perhaps specifically through this event. And may it bring change to us as individuals and to us as a congregation, as a town, as a wider community of people who desire you in the places where we live and work and interact to the miraculous. Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers. You you are merciful and good and faithful. We offer our prayers through Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and the one who is interceding for us even now. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from the third book of John, starting in verse 1. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Please stand and join us as we sing together. Your kindness leads us to repentance. Your goodness draws us to your side. 
Father, what more can we say? You are good. We ask that as your your spirit speaks into our lives, that we will understand 
what it means to live in your goodness. And we pray this through Christ. Amen. We live in a world that is, in many ways, enamored with things that are disposable. I'm just going to ask you to give me some answers here. What are some things that you can think of that are common, disposable things that we use? Pardon? Tissue, disposable, right? We use Kleenex, tissue. I shouldn't say Kleenex. That's a brand name, isn't it? Uh, Tissue rather than a handkerchief, right? What else? Pardon me? Diapers. Diapers. That's a big one. Yeah. We started out thinking we're going to be good. We're going to use cloth diapers. Well, that didn't last very long. That's a lot of work. What else? Disposable razors. You bet. Yeah. What else? Pardon? I'm sorry. My hearing's not very good. Forks, okay, yeah, yeah, you t- forks, right, got it, yeah. I shouldn't be asking you to tell me things when my hearing's not very good, is it? That's, a, that's just a, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, you know, uh, plastic silverware and uh, disposable plates and cups and things, right? Anything else? Disposable contact lenses, exactly right. Isn't that a weird thing? When my sister first got lenses in the 70s, they were hard plastic and they cost about $400. Hard glass, they cost about $400. Now you wear them a few little while, toss them. Even daily, we toss them. There are all kinds of things that are disposable. We talk about disposable phones, talk about disposable income. We talk about disposable workers, where this, the workforce is simply people we take for a little while and then we ship them off because we're done with them. And what I find happening as you think about that is that this world of, of what I'll call disposability is, you know, and some of these things are good, they're helpful to us, they make life easier. And, and we as a, as a culture hopefully are thinking more about ways of how that affects the environment. We're trying to do better at finding better ways to use things that are disposable and how to, how to figure that out so it's not so bad on, on the environment. But what I find is that in this mindset of we can just throw things away, that, gets, that bleeds into our relationships. And so we have relationships that are disposable. Somebody turns on us, hey, we turn on them, we're done. Someone hurts us, we hurt them back and we, we're done. And, and, and people who, you know, part of it is we move around a lot and so our friendships sort of wax and wane as we are with people. But we don't seem to have this as a culture, as a society, these long-term connections to each other. We even see this in, in the high rate of, of failures of marriage. And, but it's not just that. It's, it's relationships at any level where we are often so quick to say, we're done with that person. That's it. And I think that that doesn't start with us. That's not something that's unique to us. That's something that's been going on for centuries. Because human beings are human beings. 
And I think that's one of the reasons why when Paul is writing to the Galatians and they're fighting with each other about who's right and who's wrong and they are building walls between each other and their relationships are crumbling, Paul says to them, if you walk in the Spirit, if the Spirit is a part of your life, if, if you are controlled by the Spirit, then here are the characteristics, the fruit that, ought, that will come out of your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And I've been pondering, what does it mean for us to be faithful? Now, it's interesting because that word that's used here can be translated faith or faithfulness. And some versions do translate it faith, which implies this is really about us and God. But when you look at all the other characteristics, they keep coming back to our relationships with each other. And so I think it's more faithfulness and our relationship with each other, but... Our relationships with each other are contingent on our relationship with God. You cannot separate them. Scripture tells us that over and over and over again. How we treat each other is a reflection of our relationship with God. So in some ways it's both. The question is, what does that look like? What does it mean to be faithful to each other? And I think one of the things is that we, are, we care enough about each other. We are faithful enough to each other that when needs be, we speak the truth in love to each other. We see someone heading down a path of destruction. We say something. We do something to try to stop them from that destructive behavior. We see someone making really poor life decisions that's going to get them into trouble. We step in and we try to say something to them to help them turn that around. And here's the thing. When we start talking about what it means to be faithful and we start defining that, it's going to involve risk and cost. If we're really going to be faithful, and we're going to, it means we're going to take steps outside of what's easy and comfortable. We're going to stick our necks out. And when you stick your neck out, sometimes you can get smacked. You stick your hand out, sometimes you can get cut off. And when you start speaking the truth in love to people, you know, the first reaction usually is defensiveness. You've done it. I've done it. We've all done it. Someone says to us, wait, you know, are you really you sure you want to do that? It, it, this concerns me. I've had people say that to me, challenge me, and, and I knew I was wrong. I just didn't want to admit I was wrong. And the best defense is a good offense. And so usually the next step is, well, I'm better than you than this. Well, let me say some things to you. Or get, I get, you, know, you get very defensive about it. And sometimes you feel hurt and you hurt back. And it's a risk. It's a cost we take to be faithful to one another, to speak the truth in love. But it's what faithfulness does. Now hear me. You speak the truth in love. That's significant. Sometimes we want to speak the truth out of anger. Sometimes we speak the truth out of arrogance. I'm better than you are, so let me tell you how to live your life. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having a, such a heart of compassion for each other that we, we, when we think about this, when, when, we, when we ponder what we say to someone, we only do it after prayer and we have the sense of humility and fear and trembling in our spirit because the last thing we want to do is to hurt them. But we can't not help them. And so when in the third John that we 
read a few minutes ago. He says in the first few verses, he talks about, about how they are committed to the truth and committed to being faithful to each other and in love. And as John addresses the church to whom he writes, it is this combination of faithfulness and truth and love that describes what it means to be in right relationship with each other. But I also think that there is a sense of of not just speaking the truth in love, but of the way in which we help each other in our walk with Christ by being people who who are willing to take bold steps with and for one another. We stand in the gap for other people. When we're going through a difficult situation, one of the hardest things to do is is to take bold steps. We tend to get hesitant and skittish and fearful. And in those moments, we need each other to help us take bold steps. And often, that will involve prayer. And when you read the New Testament, you find people coming to Jesus all the time, asking to be healed. And on a number of occasions, Jesus says to the person, your faith has healed you. Because you have a sense of faithfulness to God and you believed in me, you are healed. And it's an awesome thing. But there's, all, there's a story in, in um, Mark chapter 6. I'm sorry, it's in, it's in Matthew's gospel. It's in Mark and Matthew where he says, he says, it tells the story of these guys who are, have a man, he's paralyzed on a mat. They can't get to Jesus. The house is filled with people. And so they go up on the roof and they start digging through the roof. Now, I don't know what it felt like for the people who are down below sitting in the house as this stuff starts falling on their heads. But you know it had to. I don't know exactly what roofs were made of in first century Palestine, but I'm sure it was material that as you start digging that stuff out, some of it's going to fall down. And they're looking up, wondering what's going on, and they look up and they can see the sky. And I don't think it was like that when we came in. And next thing you know, this guy's being lowered down to the floor to Jesus. And I don't know how the four guys who help him get down, maybe they repel down ropes or they push through the crowd by, when they don't have the guy with them, but they get there. And what astonishes me about this is that the, the writer of the gospel says, here in Matthew 9, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, your sins are forgiven, you be healed. It's their faith. That brings the miracle. And sometimes we need one another to be bold and courageous in our actions with each other. We need need people to to embrace us and and to lift us up because we can't do it on our own. We're struggling. And we need one another to come alongside each other and to lift each other up and to be faith. For each other. That's one thing to, and as I said, a lot of times that involves prayer. And it's one thing for us to pray silently to ourselves for God to do something great. Nobody else hears it. It's a whole other thing to pray out loud prayers of boldness, courageous prayers, risk taking prayers. And everybody hears that. 
We've stepped over the line into the courageous, into what is risky. And we often, whenever we do that, usually we do that and then we add a disclaimer on the end. And I think God is wanting us to be people who just pray. Pray boldly. Pray courageously. Pray, take risks when we pray for each other. And to stand in the gap for each other. And to be that for each other. A few years ago, I read a story about a guy who went to a big prayer event. And um, people were, different people were sharing and he got up to share. And he's a great big massive guy with long stringy blonde hair and huge muscles. You can tell he's a weightlifter. And he got up and he, and he said to this group, he said, I want to tell you about my sister. She's 26 years old. She has anorexia. She weighs 70 pounds. She's developed arthritis. She can't hardly move her hands anymore. And it looks like she's developed diabetes. She's going through menopause. Everything important to her has been taken away. Her health, her dignity, her womanhood, her life. He said, I want to confess something to you. He said, I don't pray for her. He said, is it because I don't care about her? No, I care deeply for her. Is it because I don't believe in prayer? No, I'm here at this event because I believe in prayer. I don't pray for her because it hurts too much. Because when I pray for her, it means I have to engage in her pain. It means I have to think about what she's going through. And and I don't want to feel all that she's feeling and go through all that she's going through. But God has been convicting me that that's what it means to pray for her. To pray for her is to engage in her pain and to take on her pain and to stand in the gap for her. And he said, sometimes we talk about praying for people. Maybe we ought to start talking about praying with people. And the fruit of the spirit of faithfulness in our lives is going to mean costly prayers. It's going to challenge us. It's going to stretch us. It's going to hurt us. Because we care about each other, we do it. In 1 Samuel 12, the people of Israel have rejected God as their leader and they want a king. And Samuel, who is the leader of the people, is hurt by that because he's been their leader. And they, re- they are rejecting him and they turned on him and they turned on God and he's upset with them and he's angry with them. And, and, and God says, well, you know, really they've turned on me more than you. And eventually they understand the sin that they've done and they come to, to Samuel and they say to him, please pray for us because we realize we've sinned against God. And I would expect that many of us would say, pray for you? Are you kidding me? You guys got yourself into this. This is your own mess. You get yourself out of it. You pray for yourselves if you really want to be free from this. But he doesn't. Scripture says that Samuel says to them, far be it from me to sin against God. 
by not praying for you. Samuel has to put aside his pride, his hurt, his pain, and pray for them. Why? Because he loves them. And because he is faithful to them, despite whatever they have done. And it, and it reminds us that not only are we called to, to faithful prayers of courage and boldness, but also that we are so committed to each other in faithfulness that we keep praying even when the result we want doesn't happen. I think about the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and this whole litany of people of faith through the centuries And it tells us in verse 13 of that chapter that these people prayed and they sought God and they yearned for what God had for them and they did not see it. But they didn't give up. And they kept on praying and they kept on praying and they kept on praying despite the fact that their prayers didn't seem to be answered. And if we're going to be committed to faithfulness with each other, it will mean the challenge of praying for each other, whether we see the results we want or not. And we will continue to pray. We will pray without ceasing. And in this context, I don't think that means that we pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But it means that we pray and not give up. We keep praying and we keep praying and we keep praying and we keep praying because we're committed to be faithful in prayer to each other. If you've been around the last few years, you've heard me talk in the context of our prayer vigils about the book Red Moon Rising that was really instrumental in in shaping my mind and uh, the minds of others about this prayer event. And, and these prayer vigils as we experience them. And it's a story that Pete Gregg tells about how God spoke into his life and, and eventually became a, a movement, a 24-7 prayer movement that has spread around the world after its start in a small place in England. And it's a fascinating story of what God did. And he tells one time about being in a town in Spain where this group of, of young people, about a thousand of them, have gathered for prayer. And they're there in worship and prayer. And he said it was an amazing event as these thousands of young people from all different walks of life. Some of them, if you looked at them, would have never guessed they were Christians. Came to this place together to worship and to pray. And he went home that night and the next morning came back. And this, this man, kind of wild-eyed, met him and said, what's going on here? He said, there are 50 young people that have been praying all through the night and they don't want to stop. He said, I've been asking God to do this for us, and now he's done it. And it's amazing. And Pete said he began to reflect on how good God had been to them in that event. And how it was an amazing thing, because he'd never, he'd never been to this town before, and yet here was God working. And all of a sudden, he remembered he had been to that town before. Nine years earlier, as a student, he was hitchhiking home from Portugal. And he stopped in this town and he sat in a bench in the middle of the city park. And he asked God, where are your people? Where are the prayer warriors? Where is your army of prayer here in Spain? I don't see anyone. And now nine years later, here they were. Thousands of them. Praying through the night. Praying without ceasing. 
continually praying. And his heart was stirred. And he said, all of a sudden, a thought from God came to him. He said, it was as if God said to me, Pete, there are lots of prayers that you've prayed that you do not remember. But I remember every one of them. And whether you see it or not, I'm at work. And he said, it just reminded me of the importance of faithfulness in prayer for other people and for what God is doing. See, we are faithful because God is faithful. That's really what it boils down to. God is faithful. Scripture says over and over again that the God we worship always keeps his promises. And in fact, faithfulness is not so much something God does. It's really who God is. It's his nature. It's his character. He cannot be unfaithful. And when we are filled with his spirit, we become people who are faithful. As Timothy, as Paul writes to Timothy, even if we are faithless, God is still faithful. And that's the crux of this characteristic of the fruit of faithfulness. As you think about your life, maybe it's a person, a circumstance, something that God may be bringing to your mind and he is challenging you to faithfulness. Will we do it? Will we say yes as the Spirit works in our lives? Gracious Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We are undeserving. And yet you are eternally good and faithful. And we pray that you will that you will grow the fruit of faithfulness in our lives. We ask this through Christ. Amen. I want to give you again opportunities to respond. There are cards at the outside and inside of each row. Please make sure everyone in your row gets one of those cards. And as God speaks into your life, write down on the card whatever you need to to, to say. A circumstance, a person's name, something to which you sense God calling you to faithfulness. And do it today and put it someplace where you can see it. And let's commit again this week to pray five minutes a day for God to develop the fruit of faithfulness in our lives. And this morning, if you would like to talk with someone, have someone pray with you, the elders, again, are downstairs at the prayer room and will be happy to do just that.
Let's stand as we sing together. We're pilgrims on the journey of the narrow road, and those who've gone before us line the way, cheering on the faithful, encouraging the weary, their life's a stirring testament to God's sustaining grace. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race not only for the prize, but as those of God before us, let us lead to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly Our children sift through all we've left behind. May the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads them to the road we each must find. Oh, may all who come behind us find us the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.